first career guys like you that are extremely successful and almost i mean it sounds like you're almost financially independent you can do you have the unbelievable ability right now to just decide what path you want to take do you want to start a new business do you want to go back to college do you want to retire do you want to just sit on the beach for your restaurant and you're choosing you yeah. and 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 your guy in chicago are choosing to to work and to be a, a w-2 employee as a pilot because the job is so much fun Hello, aviators. Welcome back to the Profile Playbook podcast, where we bring you the tips, tricks, hacks, and shortcuts to get you into the cockpit of that airliner faster and cheaper. I'm Sean Ritchie. And I'm Mike Martin. And, and uh, we've, go yeah, ahead, we've got a, a great guest today. This is our first YouTube co collaboration. Um, we've got another YouTube superstar, more famous than us, uh, that we've invited onto our show. So welcome, Flying with Trent. <laughs> Thanks, guys. It's a, it's yeah, a pleasure yeah. To, uh, to have you here. And I, I think YouTube superstar might be a slight overstatement. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we've been watching your channel and, and you know, there's a lot of overlap in our um, in our content. You know, you have a learn to fly channel and we're going to direct all our viewers to check it out. It's it's fantastic. And uh, 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 we want to talk all about the channel on this and 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 what you're doing and how you're doing it because there is a a lot of differences between the profile playbook because you're actually in the trenches right now yeah. coming up as career 2.0 a pilot so that's great um, and and we were talking uh, off camera uh, one of the the cool things about uh, 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 when you have guests from another podcast on your podcast that I like and I follow a lot of big podcasters is you actually get to interview them. Normally they're the ones doing the interviews. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I wanted to start off if that's possible by, by just talking about uh, your background, because it's very interesting. And, it, and to me, it's just a little mysterious uh, because we know about your flying and everything. And we know you, it's your second career and you were very successful uh, uh, your first career. Um, so, so I'm interested to hear a little bit about that. So if you, if you have, I think you're from, you were born in Canada. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. yeah I was, I was born in the uh, suburbs of Vancouver, British Columbia as a kid oh. coming up, you know, uh, I'm a, a child of, of the Top Gun era. I remember seeing <laughs> that at the theater. I remember walking out of the theater, body fully vibrating, thinking I'm going to be a fighter pilot. That's all <laughs> I and so um, I was in sales at the time doing quite well. And I applied to the Canadian military. Uh, it was uh, a, a difficult application process. I actually kind of flunked a little bit the first time and long story, but I managed to, you know, get, get in, accepted as a pilot in training my second time around and was on the path to becoming a, a, a pilot in the Canadian military. I only really wanted to be a fighter pilot. And budget cutbacks came along and unfortunately put that uh, to an end. And so back then, this is in the 90s, you know, there was no, A, I had no money to go and pay for the flight training to become an airline pilot. And B, there was no money to be earned as an airline pilot back then for the first, you know, like it was going to be 10 years of ramen noodles. Sure. And I was already making more money than most of my friends' dads were because I was a good sales guy. And so I just kind of tossed the whole aviation thing over my shoulder and went into business and transition from being a sales guy to starting my own companies. And hold on, what, what were you selling then? 
Uh, so the first thing I ever sold was office equipment, photocopiers, basically. Gotcha. Okay. And, um, you know, so this is back in the like 1991 and I was making five to eight grand a month back then, which holy was, cow. That's, yeah. You know, that's a lot a of money. For a 21 year old kid. It was pretty yeah. good coin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy right. cow. So, so after that, then, then did you go into business for yourself? I did. Um, so after the whole kind of like, okay, I'm not going to go be a, be a pilot because that was no longer available to me. I wanted something a little bit more long-term than, than selling photocopiers. So I went into the financial services space where I became a financial advisor, which if, for people who aren't familiar with that business, you're basically a sales guy because your job, you have to go out and get your own clients. And so I developed my very first system, which is called the paperclip strategy on the internet. Now I kind of got a little famous. There's a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And I'm in chapter 16 of that book. I've read uh, that because, book. You're okay. Huh. Yeah. So you probably, all I did, I had to make all these cold calls, which I didn't really like doing. And so I would move a paperclip from one baby food jar to the next one. And, and I would start off with like 120 paperclips in the full jar and I would just keep on dialing the phone until I'd moved them all to the second jar. And that one habit uh, allowed me to be the rock star of my class of people who were all hired at the same time as me. And, you know, most of them were midlife. They, they had Rolodexes of contacts and so forth. And so once their Rolodexes of contacts sort of ran out, they didn't know how to prospect or make cold calls. And I did. And so it worked really, really well for me. And I went on to make, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in my 20s back in the 90s, which is, I don't know, what's that, like 400 grand a year today, if you account for inflation. Wow. So life was, was pretty good, um, to be honest with you. And I used that money to then start my first company. And then I built that company and I sold it. And then I started another one and I started another one. And so what were these more companies? successful than others. What, 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 what kind of businesses did you start? So the very first one was an IT services business. Well, I mean, the very first one was I was uh, mowing lawns as a kid. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd take my little mower around and I'd mow whoever would pay me to mow their lawn. But anyway, the first real business uh, was a technology services company. Uh, it's actually still in business to this day, but I'm no longer an owner of it. Uh, after that, um, I sold that in 2008 and I retired for a while, a year or two. And that's when I discovered the internet. And so I started um, being an Amazon affiliate, and then I started my Bright Ideas um, podcast, which I did for 10 years. And then that led me to owning a marketing agency. And then ultimately, um, you'll notice there's a few Inc. 5000 awards on the wall behind me. That was for a business that I started where we partnered with manufacturers and handled their Amazon sales channel, sold that business. And out of that business, I ended up starting a software company. Um, and I'm totally skimming the high level because I know that oh, this yeah. interview is sure. really what this is about. <laughs> but um, and that, and that software company is workflow and process management software, and that uh, I still own it and it's profitable. But that the the struggles that I had with software with the software business are ultimately what led me to decide, you know, screw this entrepreneur thing. I'm going to go be a pilot now and have a cushy, easy job. So we can sort of dive as far down that rabbit hole as you want, if you'd like. That was, that was actually one of my questions. What was the thing? Was there a straw that broke the camel's back that made you say, you know what, this is uh and why the pilot thing, where did that come from for you? I mean, sure. besides the top gun, and I'm a, 
86 when Top Gun came out, I had that same feeling when I walked out of that movie theater. I mean, there was yeah. no question. My path was illuminated with clarity. I was yeah. going to be a fighter pilot, you know, yes. I, yeah. and I, I, everybody in our generation, I think Top Gun influenced so many of us to become pilots. Oh man. Yeah. Sean, uh, there's a video on our feed. You should check out that, uh, Sean was in San Diego on a trip and he went to all the Top Gun locations. <laughs> yeah, I, I conned that girl to hotel and to let me into the banquet room where they shot the bar scene and yeah. all this stuff. <laughs> wow. Actually, uh, check this out. Um, where's it at? Uh, Oh, there's uh, my wife moved it. She was in here cleaning. <laughs> I have a piece of the tree where Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis have their little spat on the uh, roadside. Yeah. I have a piece of bark from the, all the other trees on the street have been replaced. And some clever uh, city planner guy or something left that one tree there. It's way older than every other tree. I pulled a piece of bark off of it. And uh, I had it on my shelf somewhere. My wife was in here. Who knows? Hopefully she didn't throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, so the so why? I mean, you got all this stuff going on. How how'd the pilot thing come back into your life? Yeah. So life as an entrepreneur for me um, was always up and down, up and down. I had some really monstrous successes where I made quite a bit of money, and then I'd have other times where it just wasn't working for whatever reason. And and so I'd go a year or two without really much income, but because I'd made so much money in the years before, you know, I had enough on the balance sheet and so forth. And the software business was one that in hindsight, uh, I went into um, with, I was too naive because the thing with, so, so in our first two years of the software business and the software is called Flowster, flowster.app. Okay. Uh, first two years of that business were just cash. I mean, it, printed money because we had one key affiliate that would send us a lot of customers. And of course we would pay them to send us those customers. And at some point the money was so good and their integrity was so bad that they basically ripped off my product and started not sending mm. us customers anymore oh, because they decided, well, maybe if we just stole Trent's product, we could keep all the money. And that's exactly what they did. <laughs> what what was what did the software do basically? Um, so it's the software. They weren't able to steal the software. So initially, when I launched that business, we were selling a playbook for how to be really successful as an Amazon reseller. Remember, I got those two thousand words behind me because we sold you know well over ten million dollars on Amazon in the space of a couple of years, and and I had delegated myself right out of the business. I, I was great. I mean, I was making lots of money and not having to go to work every day. There was a lot of other people who are like, man, I want some of that. And so we had this playbook that was comprised of checklists that live in the software company that I now own that allowed people to essentially replicate my success if they followed the checklists. Mm. So what these other uh, friendly people did was copy all my checklists and put them in some other piece of software and then started selling that to their audience as opposed ah, to my stuff. To gosh, oh, that's, that's a hit, man. Oh Jamie. yeah. Yeah. That one uh, cost me a couple million bucks. So that oh. was painful. So then we went into a period of time, the next two years after that, instead of, so we went from dominating a niche and really having our own space with no competitors to now 
being out of that niche. And there was factors around the Amazon platform that sort of end of life that product anyway. Mm, I got you. Uh, now we were in a red ocean of, of endless competitors whose software did more or less the same stuff as ours. And they'd raised tens of millions to as much as a half billion dollars from venture capitalists in Silicon Valley. And we hadn't raised a dime. Mm. So now we're trying to like fight the good fight, but we've got no money um, relative to what they've got. So it'd be kind of like trying to beat a P51 Mustang in a, you know, in a Kip Fox. It's not exactly <laughs> a fair race. No. So after two years of that, uh, we scaled back on the overhead and, and really just turned it to a cash flow machine. So I still get paid reasonably well. I don't do anything, but it's not growing. And y if you're not growing, you're dying. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning of 2023, that I sounds like Tony Robbins, you know, by the way. But yeah. Yeah, Tony in the beginning well. of 2023, I may have read a couple of his books in the day. <laughs> um, in the beginning of 2023, I started an offline waste management business uh, here in Boise because I was I was done with unlimited global competition. I was like, no, 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 I don't want to do that anymore. I just want to have one competitor or two competitors in a market and I'll just use my face-to-face -face sales skills and we'll win. So at the time that we bought our truck, uh, there was one competitor who had a monopoly here in Boise for years and they were, you know, fat, dumb and happy. We came along and started very quickly stealing accounts from them, which they were very unimpressed with. And so they immediately started a price war. And when that happened, that was during spring break of this year. I was in San Diego with my wife and kiddo. We were uh, on the beach and my, my driver slash sales guy had texted me to tell me that one of the accounts that we just landed with this major construction company a week later, it was gone. And I was like, I looked to my wife, I go, yeah, we're out. I'm done. I'm not doing a price war. I've been on Amazon for years. I know what price wars do. Um, if this guy wants to have a price war, then he can have the whole pie because I'm just not doing it. And that, had I not been through two years of of battling it out in the software space and already fe feeling fatigued from that, maybe I would have wanted to put up a better fight. But I was just like, no, nah, I'm out. I'm done. And she says to me, well, what are you going to do? And I said, for the first time in my life, I have no idea. I don't have the foggiest idea what I want to do. All I know is it needs <laughs> to stop sucking. And she goes, well, why don't you do something that's fun every day? And when I go, well, the only thing I can think of that'd be fun every day is flying an airplane. And she goes, well, why don't you go do that? I said, great. And off I went. That awesome. is awesome. What a story. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. And that, that was, that could, you could have took two hours explaining all that. Oh I mean, yeah. I'm trying yeah, to yeah. go fast out of respect. Uh, for No, that was a great 40,000 foot overflight. Yeah. Amazon stuff though. I mean, when it first came out, I mean, that was, it was like the good old fashioned gold rush, wild, wild oh, yeah. west. I got into yeah. it, but I got into it like eight years too late. I had 22 SKUs and uh, I had a competitor pretty much knock out one of my biggest brands. It, it took yeah. out you know, almost half my SKUs and it was, uh, it, it, that it was so, it's so volatile. It, you're at the, the, the helm. I mean, I was importing stuff from China and selling it on Amazon is yeah. what I was doing. You yeah. sounds like you were way more involved in it than I was, but <laughs> I mean, it's just so easy to be knocked out. Cause you know, you know, daddy Amazon is, you know, there to yeah. flip the switch if they don't like something. And that's pretty much what I meant when I said the ecosystem around the Amazon platform has significantly yeah. changed. That has a, a large part of it. But between actually selling, you know, north of 10 million stuff on Amazon and then selling millions of dollars worth of a digital playbook, and then the money that we made on the real estate that we bought with the money that we made from Amazon and the playbook, I mean, I made millions of dollars over a couple wow. of year period from doing that. It was a very, very good period of time. 
Um, and, but like I say, ups and downs. And then I went into two years of like no paycheck because the software company wasn't growing and wasn't big enough to provide me with the paycheck. And we were just living on our savings and that gets old pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, so after two years of that, I was like, this is, this got to change. Gotcha. So you decide to do the pilot things. And I mean, were you, you're still, are you in Canada at this point? No, no when all in, this... I've been in the States now for 12 years, I think. I got oh, okay. here all gotcha. the way, whatever that math is. Gotcha. And that's to Boise? Is that where you're originally? I know. Originally, it was San Diego. I lived in San Diego for, for five years. I've been to many of the Top Gun locations. <laughs> yeah, you did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Right. That, that's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, I, I see the attraction to San Diego. So, <laughs> oh, so when amazing. did you move to Boise? Uh, about 10 years ago. We came awesome. through here. So... Back then, didn't really have a whole lot of money. Um, obviously, a lot of good stuff happened after in the last 10 years. And, and we were living in uh, North Park at the time. And uh, when when I met my wife and we got engaged and married and we came through here on our honeymoon. And I've always wanted, I like to invest in real estate and I hadn't been you know super active in it. I don't have houses, of course. But when we got here 10 years ago, uh, my joke was when you move to Idaho, you get a free house. Like it was so, so cheap. Mm -hmm. unbelievably cheap <laughs> that like like a, a quarter of what a home costs in vancouver british columbia and so i just looked at her i said we need to move here and buy as much of this stuff as we can and and so we did and you know now now boise is not cheap now boise is crazy expensive because everybody and their dog moved here but nonetheless, we were able to, uh, you know, ride that wave and, and get paid pretty well for it. Nice. I wish it wouldn't happen, to be honest with you. I wish I could have bought a lot more houses if the prices hadn't have gone up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the well, whole pilot, to, to circle back and kind of answer your question, the whole pilot thing was, okay, I've spent my life doing startups, which is a lot of energy and time. Mm -hmm. And yet I made more money investing in real estate than I ever really did, you know, doing startups. So how can I make it so that I can have more free time in my schedule to invest in real estate, but still have a steady paycheck while I'm getting better at, you know, buying more real estate and building my portfolio. And I was, that's how the pilot thing was like, well, great. A pilot, if you live in base and you're a line holder, it's kind of a part-time job. Yeah. Um, and then you've got another, you know, day, two days a week, or every time you're back home to go put your real estate investor hat on um, and either flip houses or buy commercial buildings. We bought a commercial building a couple of years ago and flipped it and made a killing or maybe buy some apartment buildings or I invest in mobile home parks. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff you can do in real estate. And I just wanted to take the whole stress of like my paycheck and put that on autopilot, call it pilot autopilot um <laughs> i didn't realize i was even making a bad joke there. <laughs> and then uh, and then use the extra time and the money to uh, to buy real estate wow wow man there's a ton of overlaps in, in in my career and your career except for the part the millions of dollars apart that you made early on i didn't <laughs> yeah. but but the real estate and the free time of flying man that is incredible one important thing I want to bring up, and I wanted to bring this up, and after you tell your story, it's going to be even more resonating with our viewers, but um, I, I watched a, a video that you had where you're interviewing a, a, a former CEO that's now a sh uh, contract pilot on Citation in uh, Chicago, you know? Yeah, Dave Hildish. Yeah, yeah, great video. 
But if you watch that video and then you listen to what you just said, uh, I think my important takeaway for for you uh, or for the viewers based on your story and and your 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 friend's story there, the contract pilot, and then what Sean and I have heard time and time again is here we have these first career guys like you that are extremely successful and almost, I mean, it sounds like you're almost financially independent. You can do, you have the unbelievable ability right now to just decide what path you want to take. Do you want to start a new business? Do you want to go back to college? Do you want to retire? Do you want to just sit on the beach for your restaurant? And you're choosing you yeah. and, and, and your guy in Chicago are choosing to, to work and to be a, a W2 employee as a pilot because the job is so much fun. And I, and I don't, I don't mean to dumb it down like that, but that is when you really sink into that, that, that is, that is really, it should be really inspiring for a young guy that, that, uh, or, 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 or an old guy, a second career guy, but, but a young guy that is trying to decide what he wants to do with his life. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you had to create all those companies and make all that money to get to where you're at now. And they could just start now. From, right. From day yeah, one and jump mean, into it's just that that's a huge part of what Mike and I do. You know, the, these kids that are graduating high school, so many of them, like, what are you going to do now? You College? You got, what? I don't know. Yeah. Like, well, have you looked at becoming a pilot? I mean, there's never been a better time since the Wright brothers first flew to become a professional pilot right now. And, uh, yeah, that's a great point, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, something I would add to that is, um, you know, I've never been – a particularly patient guy, which is why I did startups um, and did my own businesses because you can go at your own speed, depending on how hard you work, how smart you are and, and how lucky you are. For the first time with pilot, I was like, what, what can I do that will continually pay me more and get easier as the years go by? <laughs> and what if, and what if I never had any other assets at all? What could give me an income, a nice income, for the next two decades that if everything else went away, I still don't have to work part-time. The job's kind of fun and I can still make six figures. What am I describing? Pilot. Whether yeah. it's an airline pilot, which obviously I have to retire at 65, but after that, I'm not going to stop flying. I'm going to go be right. a pilot and I'll fly as much or as little as I want because I'll have a gazillion turbine hours of PIC time at that point. So I'll be able to pick cherry pick whatever job I want to have. And that was a lot of the thinking of it as well, because that's a very, very different picture than the vast majority of my life. The vast majority of my life, of course, was, you know, being a startup founder and working crazy hours and taking huge risks and so forth. Mm -hmm. So when you got wow. back into it, you already had... Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your story was you already had it somewhere early on in your life. You obtained your private certificate, yeah. correct? And yeah. then so when you finally decided to jump in with both feet, I'm going to do this professionally. Um, were you already aware of uh, did you just I mean, what was your did you do any research to find out, you know, because I've heard you use the term accelerated training. I didn't yeah. know. I was just curious how you went about because that is like a huge like one of your biggest videos. Yeah. Of, of how you did everything so quickly. Yeah. It wasn't the, it was the master plan from the beginning because I knew that it fit to start at 53. It's not like I could take four years to get there. Right. I needed to get right. there. So um, a, a buddy of mine, who's now a, a 
the first officer with SkyWest, who's a, just a little bit younger than me, maybe two or three years younger than me, was a business, multiple time business owner like me. Um, you know, he, he did the thing ahead of me and I was like, Oh, cool. I like what Dave's doing. And so when it came time to going to flight school, I knew it was going to be a full-time venture because that's the fastest way to do it is just fly more often. Mm -hmm. And then he recommended me a school uh, that he'd been to because they offer accelerated CFI and accelerated multi-engine programs. It's kind of their specialty. And, uh, and so I went there and, and after that, it was all on me because it was a part 61 school. So there was nobody telling me, Hey, you need to fly X number of times per week. There was nobody telling me that, Hey, you need to study ground school X hours per week. Mm -hmm. I went there. I lived in my fifth wheel for the first month. I left my family behind because my daughter wasn't done school yet. And I basically did nothing but fly or study flying or put my simulator virtual reality headset on and fly. Like it was all day, every day. Sounds awesome. One days with the exception of one day off to go visit my wife's family in Indiana. God, did you, did off. you enjoy every minute of it too? Uh, for the most part, yes. But I was taking so many freaking check rides that especially in the end, in the last two weeks, I got four check rides and four ratings in two weeks. I was a stress ball to say the least. Every check ride had me on pins and needles. Every check ride, I got nervous, stupid in the oral exam, but yeah, I was prepared. So every right. time I was able to get, get through and I did a little better in the cockpit, but I'd still get really crazy nervous in the cockpit. Yeah. Uh, but, but you know what? I think you're supposed to go into a check ride a little nervous. You know, I yeah. mean, the, the guys that ride motorcycles all the time and, you know, once you stop being scared of that machine, that's when it bites you. You know, if you walked in there all cocky, you know, that's that's when you're going to screw it up. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm cocky was when I was in my 20s now. Right. <laughs> so, Man. so fast forward to now, um, you're uh, we don't want to make this too long but uh you're so you're flight instructing now you're uh 400 hours ish ish somewhere in Six, there 600 600, 600. okay all right gotcha uh, he, he's moving fast man yeah yeah, yeah well, I, I, did, well, I got to I 400 did, uh, from one of your hit, videos at some point and i guess that was a while ago <laughs> yeah i graduated flight school on august 6th i took two weeks off just because i needed to decompress and then i started you know getting students from my youtube channel and within, so from August, you know, call it 20th to the middle of November, I went from like 260 hours up to 500 hours and change. I mean, I fly when, before we hit winter here, I was doing 30 hours a week of, of loggable hours. Weekly. Man, you aren't messing around. Yeah. Nice. I was a freaking machine. Yeah. Wow. I'm flying like 30 hours a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, we'll talk about, uh, let's get into the flying with Trent thing. Cause that's what our viewers, they're going to want to check out your channel and everything. So talk about, uh, how, how you decided to do the YouTube channel. Sounds like you had a, you know, with your old podcasts and everything you had experience doing that and how yeah. that all came about and where you're going with it. Yeah. So I've been a content creator for over a decade between the podcasts, the episodes that are not on YouTube and the, all the videos that I put on YouTube you know, it's probably over a thousand and never mind the blog posts. It's probably over a thousand pieces of content that were either audio or video plus hundreds of blog posts. So lots of content creation. So when I started doing the flying thing, I thought, 
on a lark, I'll put up this video that is 53 too old to become an airline pilot and we'll see if it gets any views. And if it doesn't, then I won't even bother with it. But if it does, then maybe I'll make another one. And, and it did, um, it didn't get, it didn't go crazy, but you know, I think I got six, 7,000 views in the first two weeks ish, something like Great. that. And yeah. I like, yeah. I was like, well, you know, that's pretty good. I've been on YouTube for a long time. And, and while I've had a, a small handful of videos that got more views than that, most of my videos got hundreds of views, not thousands of views. Right. Yeah. So then, um, again, thanks to my marketing background and, and a lot of copywriting um, and understanding psychological triggers, I decided the title of my next video was going to be my my 18-month plan to make six figures as an airline pilot starting at age 53. Sure. So, so there's a bold claim. I'm speaking specifically to fellow marketers. They'll understand what I'm talking about. There's a bold yeah. claim and there's controversy because half of the people would feel a compelling need to leave a comment and tell me what an idiot I was. <laughs> and the other half of the people would feel a compelling need to cheer me on. You need to have controversy in your videos to get engagement and engagement leads to the algorithm showing your video to more people. So the title of that was not an accident. I did a lot of thinking and AI testing and a bunch of stuff. Sure. And that video went bonkers 100,000 views in like maybe 10 days to the point where wow. you know there was people showing up at my flight school and enrolling because of me I was getting recognized on the ramp as I was getting out of the airplane and the next student was getting in and this guy freaked out oh my god you're flying with Trent and he started selfieing <laughs> his kid like it, it, you know I walk to the airport to catch a flight and the valet guy would like yell hey fly with Trent I love your like it went nuts nice um, and and so I'd never had any type of success like that on, on YouTube before. And so I was like, well, let's keep riding this and see where it goes. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, it's really a lot of fun. I mean, we're having fun doing this. I'm sure you're enjoying yeah. making the videos there. <laughs> so, so That's what's next for you? Are, are you, uh, are you planning airlines or corporate? Before you answer this question, I, oh, okay. I got it. No, no. It's like, I'm watching this and I, I've watched some of your videos and, it does seem like you're, I'm just going to guess, it does seem like you're leaning towards the airlines. But then when I hear you talk, I'm like, and as interviewer of many corporate pilots, I'm like, man, this guy is a shoe in for corporate, man. He's got it. He's a very professional. He understands business. I'm like, this is the guy you're going to, I'm like, this guy's going to be running a huge flight department or, you know, flying for some billionaire. That with is a five good point. Streams. Right. As an you airline know, pilot, yeah. you don't have to have those skills. As an airline pilot, all you got to no. do, the only skill you have is have your butt in the seat at whatever time it says on your schedule. As a corporate yeah. pilot, you got to do that and be able to deal with these guys that are worth half a billion dollars and take care of their multi-million dollar machines. You're the one guy that does everything. And yeah, I agree, Mike. Yeah, he would be a shoe-in <laughs> for corporate. But but we'll let it now we'll let you talk. <laughs> so so obviously I get asked that a lot. I think about that a lot. I have buddies, good buddies who are like one of them. He's, he's got that job. He's got the billionaire owner. Uh, he gets paid uh, somewhere between 250 and 300 grand a year. He works a week, a month. So he's got like the cush job. He flies around in a 280 and, and they treat him like gold. But the thing with corporate, and I've talked to enough airline veterans to know this because thanks to the channel, I get to talk to all sorts of people. So I have like this crazy 
network of people that I've been able to have these conversations and get free advice from. Corporate is, um, to quote one guy, he said, 95% of corporate jobs are complete shit because you are on call all the time. You have no job security. And if whatever corporate, you know, maybe they make beer or whatever they make, if that falls on hard times, the jet's one of the first things to go. And when the jet goes, so do you. And you don't have any seniority. So remember what I said earlier on about I got into this because I wanted a steady, reliable, easy job that will allow me to have the free time to go make a bucket buckets of money in real estate. Yeah. I don't need to have the, I'm not saying I don't want, I'm saying I don't need to have the $300,000 a year corporate job with all those days off. Like my buddy has, by the way, it took him 20 years to get that job. Right. And I don't think, I'm not sure. I don't know enough about this space to know how many opportunities like that are going to come my way. If a great opportunity comes my way, would I look at it? Sure, of course, I'd be a fool to not do it. But what I know for sure is that the regional that I want to work for has a fantastic reputation for their jet training. I'm going to get a thousand hours of turbine in my first year. Uh, they've never had a furlough. I'm going to get upgraded to captain after that year. At least that's how it is now. And I'm 15 minutes from the base. Hmm. I got a buddy that's a captain for those guys. And he's like, Trent, my life's pretty good. I make $300,000 a year and I never, I'm I'm in my own bed more than I'm not like life's pretty good. So I don't have the answer to your question yet as to which way ultimately I will go. My plan is um, I'm still driving with everything I can to get to 1500 hours as fast as I can so that I can go and work for that regional airline subject to whatever other crazy opportunities come my way, which is also one of the reasons why I publish content. Because if you are telling the world about you and what you're doing and you're putting yourself out there, Mm -hmm. much like my students find me, well, opportunities can come find me as well. Maybe one day, you know, some guy's scrolling on Instagram and he sees one of my videos where I'm flying around in my buddy's Cirrus SR22 and I'm talking about, you know, whatever. And he's like, I want that guy. I want that guy to train me for my instrument rating and I'll pay him $30,000 to come here for three weeks and do it. Well, maybe I'll do that. And then maybe that guy has a G280 that he look, you know, like who knows, right? right? So that's why I'm such a big believer in the power in the, the power and of, of producing content because you need to put yourself out there. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. What a great answer. Yes, great <laughs> answer. And your content is amazing. I I love how much time you're putting into the videos, man. They look really good. And well, uh, well that's my editor. Okay, all right, gotcha. It's my editor that makes the videos look good. Awesome. <laughs> well, Mike and I are doing it. Well, ours aren't as as elaborate, obviously, but um, yeah, they look really good. <laughs> so awesome. for for you and anyone else, because I do I do love my editor dearly. In the in the description of any of my YouTube videos is his contact information. And he has a team of folks working over in India that do the editing, and he's very wow. affordable. Gotcha. So if you wow. need a better editor, well, uh, ours is more just you know it was mainly Mike and I sitting rapping about whatever subject, and uh, you know the YouTube portion of it, so you could see our faces. You know we weren't necessarily <laughs> going for that. Oh man, but, no, yeah. that'd be good. Yeah, no, that's great, man. Yeah, no, yes. uh, uh, it is. It's it's hot stuff, man. So. 
So what, tell uh, tell the viewers uh, what what do you got coming up? You know, what are you working on on your channel? What's what's coming up? You know, once they subscribe to it. Yeah. So um, more videos about just helping a career 2.0 pilot how to navigate their career. Like for example, right now I'm I'm working on a video for part 121 versus part 135. Um, just kind of my take on the differences between the two. Um, and and you know I. Uh, I, I want, I want to, there's something I, I can't announce just yet because it's not a done <laughs> deal, but that there is something else exciting that I'm working on, which will, cool. um, in the words of one of my students, who's an ex-business owner, he goes, oh, if you get that, he says, that's going to make your brand on YouTube. So I uh, <laughs> will we'll not say anything more about that yet because I don't want to jinx myself. So there's, there's something pretty cool that, that I'm hoping to be able to announce and make videos about, and there would be lots of videos made about it. But in the near term, um, as much helpful content as I can think up to help guys like the three of us who are career, you know, if you're a career 2.0 guy or gal in your midlife and you're thinking, well, you know, how, how viable is this? What's the smartest way to do it? Interviewing more pilots, producing more content to assist that individual uh, is really what I'm all about. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Well, we're happy to have you. I, this is a wonderful interview, yep. and anything we can do to help or follow up would be great. I think we're gonna we're gonna film an episode for your channel also, and uh, uh, just a ton of overlap. I I feel like uh, you know if I'm ever in Boise that we could talk for hours. So I'll have to look I'm up. Sure we could. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. Thank you, Trent. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for having me on. It's it's really an honor and a privilege to be here. I never take it lightly when people are gracious enough to have me on their show. And all I can hope is that the audience is still listening and thinking that was a good use of my time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks a lot.